Welcome to Beyond Research, a podcast brought to you by Research Nova Scotia. Since the onset of the pandemic, researchers around the world in diverse fields of study have pivoted their work to support the fight against COVID-19. An increasing signal in wastewater can actually come about seven days before they've seen an increase in clinical cases. So the idea would be that if we're sampling in the wastewater and we start to see an increase in in concentrations in the wastewater, it could be telling us seven days from now, we may be seeing clinical cases increase. Dr. Amina Stoddard is an assistant professor at Dalhousie University's Department of Civil and Resource Engineering and a researcher at the Centre for Water Resources Studies. Today, she'll explain how her research team is using their expertise in water treatment to design an ingenious method to detect the COVID-19 virus. This research supports frontline healthcare workers and may be a critical piece in controlling the spread of the virus. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for the invitation. What does the Center for Water Resources Studies do? So we think of the center um, as a kind of a, a hub of applied research in Atlantic Canada. And so we work with industry partners, we work with municipalities, we work with governments, we work with other researchers and, and universities to really put our knowledge to bear on um, water and wastewater challenges. We've talked a lot over the over the past several months of how research teams across this province have all shifted in some way, shape, or form to, to COVID research. So how much of the center's work is now devoted towards understanding or managing the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, so wastewater has been a space that I've been um, sort of progressing into in the the last two years. Um, And this is a really interesting space within a space. We've been um, interested in uh, emerging contaminants of concern. So things like microplastics with our wastewater work and SARS-CoV-2 is the most emerging of emerging contaminants of concern. There are a number of of researchers within the center, um, particularly for for our group, um, where we have the knowledge in disinfection and and we do the wastewater treatment. We are within the wastewater treatment plants already doing work. Um, It was sort of a a relatively easy shift for us to start engaging in in COVID-19 research um, because we were kind of already in that space. So let's talk about your wastewater work. So Explain to me the link between what you're doing with wastewater and the detection of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Right. So wastewater surveillance is it's not actually a new thing. We're hearing a lot more about it with the pandemic, um, but it has been used to track poliovirus. Uh, it's been used actually locally or nationally, I guess, to look at cannabis use pre and post um, legalization. Um, so it, what it involves is just testing wastewater, so taking samples of wastewater either from, you could take it from the sewer shed, so somewhere through a through a manhole to take just a grab sample, or you can go to the wastewater treatment facility where all that water has now been collected at the headworks of the plant, so the beginning of the plant, and take a sample of the water kind of coming into the plant before it's treated, and then test it for, for the virus um, to see if it, it's there and kind of what is the virus load. This testing of wastewater it's detecting the presence of virus. How do you know it's SARS-CoV-2? So we use an RNA signature. 
the unique signature that allows us to detect it and identify that it is, in fact, that virus. So you can detect that virus. So presumably you could then detect other viruses as long as you had that RNA signal. We could be testing anything in the wastewater, right? We could be testing influenza. We could be testing other things. So it could have a life beyond beyond SARS-CoV-2. So for in an urban setting, because I would imagine it'd be different in, in different sized cities and of course in rural areas, describe to me how the sewer system is set up. You know, the, the water leaves your house or your your building, your office, and then it winds up in a sewage treatment plant. So how does that network function and how are you able to identify where you should be sampling from? The network, you you obviously have your your line from your house or your main line from your your large building, your apartment building, but then it does join that rest of the network and then it connects to kind of larger and larger pipes until it it reaches the wastewater treatment plant. Uh, And so we've been working with our our utility partners. Um, Halifax Water has been a big supporter of, of helping us and assisting us in sampling. Um, and they are, you know, they have the knowledge of their network to be able to indicate, yes, you know, this would capture, if you sampled here, this would capture this area. If you sampled here, it would capture this area. Um, and that's been, that's been guiding us in terms of where we would like to sample um, and then them helping us kind of identify where exactly that is from a, from a sewer shed location. I understand that you can detect pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic cases. So... Tell me a little bit about that. How does that work? So you're testing wastewater. Is that because people are already sick or about to get sick? How does that work? So what's been identified um, in other communities is that the signal, uh, an increasing signal in wastewater, can actually um, come about seven days before they've seen an increase in clinical cases. So the idea would be that if we're sampling in the wastewater, and we start to see an increase in, in concentrations in the wastewater, could be telling us seven days from now, we may be seeing clinical cases increase. So we may be able to get a, a sort of a jump on any kind of actions that, that we might want to take or public health, le- or public health leaders might want to take in terms of restrictions or, or what have you to, to try to curb that increase. So um, why wouldn't it be better just to test everyone? If there's a concern, why not individual tests? What's the benefit of pooled testing? Yeah, so I think one of the benefits of wastewater is that with one sample, we can get a, a, a larger picture. Um, and it could help us or help us help public health leaders identify that, oh, we maybe do need, you know, larger scale clinical testing in this area of the city. Or we um, should divert some resources to this community because it does appear that their cases are increasing. Or we should prepare this hospital for an increase in cases, you know, soon. Um, there have been towns that I know of that have, you know, decided to offer testing to the kind of whole town, and and that is a lot of tests. Where maybe with a wastewater sample, if they could, you know, sort of have that indication of a, a widespread community. Uh, with just just one sample um, that could kind of lead them down the need for more clinical testing. How long have you been collecting samples and testing them? So we've been collecting samples um, in Halifax since the end of May. Initially, um, that work was that those samples were put into method development, so it's not really reportable numbers. We were just using the, the wastewater to help us hone our method. I think probably, as, as anyone can appreciate, wastewater is a complex matrix. And so really understanding how to clean that water up 
to uh, isolate the RNA, to be able to quantify it, that was really the focus of our work for, for a number of months. So having described the work you've done to date, we're about to embark on a whole new research area that will take us outside of Halifax. Talk about where some of the interesting areas are that that perhaps go beyond the, the Halifax boundaries. I think that that's, that's, I kind of, when I think about this work, I think there's sort of two innovation areas that are needed. You know, we've identified and lots of researchers across the world and across Canada have identified that we can measure it in wastewater. We can isolate it and, and then measure, quantify it. Um, but I think one of the main things we've been really thinking about is accessibility. And so the test that we were working with Luminultra to develop was um, designed to be able to be used, not just in a university setting or a hospital setting, but a simplified method that could be deployed elsewhere. You mentioned Lumen Ultra, So that's a, a private company that will tell me, what do they do? Yeah, so Lumen Ultra has been a partner for the, with the Center for Water Resource Studies for over 10 years now. Um, they are primarily or were primarily a environmental sort of testing. We used a lot of their equipment for um, testing biomass loads in, in drinking water filters and, and wastewater treatment systems and, and drinking water distribution systems. Um, and they uh, early on were able to provide... Um, clinical testing reagents to the government of Canada. And then I think kind of going back to their environmental roots, we're really interested in developing a wastewater test. And so we worked very closely with them to develop a, a rapid test that could be used um, on site um, for wastewater or detection of SARS-CoV-2 in wastewater. So if I understand that correctly, rather than sampling and then having to send it into a, a specialized lab, you're able instead to move the lab to the sample location. Yeah, so that would be the idea. A lot of the um, testing methods that we were looking at early on were very much so university lab tests. Uh, some of the equipment that was required was was something that you would really only find in a university lab or in a, you know a hospital lab. It wasn't really something that we would see possible to do, say, at the wastewater treatment plant. And so that sort of accessibility thing really kind of was something that we were grappling with and, and wondering how do we get this out so that other people can be doing it, can be doing widespread. Um, as you can imagine, there are you know many communities in Canada that would be a challenge to ship a viable sample to a centralized lab um, and then and then get it analyzed and kind of have that feedback really rapidly. Uh, so so with this test, the idea is that it could be done quickly and on site with with minimal sort of specialized equipment and, and expertise. So when you say quickly and with minimal expertise, how long does it take and, and what kind of training does the technician or the tester need to have in order to do it properly? Sure. Yeah. So we're looking at about an hour and a half to two hours um, from a sample to result uh, in terms of having the sample in the lab and running it and then getting a result. Um, so the, the most uh, advanced part of the testing would be the actual sort of running of the qPCR instrument, which is the instrument that sort of measures the quantifies the RNA. Um, and then sort of understanding the result that you get from that and, and what that sort of means. So until this point, samples have been shipped to the lab for testing. And what you're looking to do is move this out into the community, really, to be able to test there. So what will it take in order to 
be able to effectively test the water closer to the source? Sure. So in terms of in terms of skills, um, there are some some skills that we would see that a normal sort of wastewater operator, maybe for a wastewater treatment plant, would have, and they'd be able to to use those skills for this test. Um, the challenging part, or the the additional uh, step where you'd need some additional expertise, would be the operation of the the instrument that actually detects the the signature of the virus. This province is largely rural, or has has a greater proportion of its population in rural areas, but some major employers. How might this be relevant to smaller towns, or or even those maybe even on septic systems? Is this something that would work there? Yeah, I think that you you certainly could test in septic systems, but again, the closer you kind of get to that source, the fewer people you are testing. Um, so I could see, you know, it's it, for large cities, it's easier to understand kind of that one wastewater sample and collecting from a from a large um, you know group of people or a large population, and then as you start to um, move closer and closer to these sort of smaller sources, you start to, I think, maybe lose some of that advantage that you have with the wastewater testing. Um, you could imagine um, testing closer to sites that you um, perceive as vulnerable um, to to uh, having the virus or, or could, you know, we saw long-term care facilities um, as, a, as a concern very early on in the pandemic. Um, so you could start to get closer to those sources. Um, so you mentioned long-term care facilities. So would this then be possible to identify the proper sewer location that's just downstream of a hospital, a long-term care facility, a major employer in order to target that pool of people? Yeah, with targeted sewer shed sampling, we could be targeting certain areas of our city, which could be Yes, long-term care facilities or or um, university campuses, things like that. Uh, so areas where we know we have lots of people congregated um, that are, you know, might create a particularly vulnerable situation that we might want to be able to kind of keep track of and, and kind of understand at that sort of larger kind of zoomed out level that the wastewater surveillance could provide. Are you concerned that being able to detect the signal will allow you to detect actual cases? I think that that's a next research step is linking um, detections and that concentration that we detect to actual um, actual cases that we that we know of. And I think that's where partnership with with public health is, is really necessary. And we see that in, in some of these dashboards um, where they're publishing their data sort of online to watch. We see often that trending is done with clinical cases and then concentrations in the wastewater and we see them sort of increase together, usually the wastewater signal um, preceding the, the actual increase in clinical cases. Now, how do we take those that that knowledge and that ability to get to um, understand the numbers that we're getting in a context that would be relevant to public health. You've got emerging technology from a company. You've got a whole bunch of problem areas that, or they could be problem areas you want to test. So is that where the research interest is, how it all gets pulled together? Definitely. Yeah. I think initially our research interest was test development, and now it's 
what does this mean and how can it be used and how can we um, do this testing and, and help public health leaders potentially make decisions that would be um, important for our communities. Could this then be used as a way to manage the relaxing of the Atlantic bubble in due course so that you could establish some approach that would allow you to do pooled testing in a, in a monitored or a managed way as we began to open up for business again? I think that's one of the one of the hopes for, for wastewater testing is that, yes, you could start to see increasing or decreasing trends or maybe long periods of, of non-detects and then use that to actually inform more stringent restrictions or, yes, the relaxing of, instru- of restrictions as well. Ideally, where do you see this research ending up in a year's time? In a year's time, um, I think we'll have a, a surveillance system in place. I think we'll be able to um, measure the virus and hopefully interpret the data effectively in that it can be used for public health decision making. And then I think beyond that, um, you know, as we as we move beyond hopefully the pandemic, um, we can be using it to focus on other public health concerns. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you for having me. Find out more about this podcast and the research featured in this episode, visit researchns.ca. I'm Reese Waters, and we will see you next time.